Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. Hayden Bo And Ian Kaplan. And today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Jason Kalipa. Jason Kalipa is a 2008 CrossFit Games champion. He competed in the CrossFit Games for about 10 years, retired in 2015 to focus on his family and on building his business. We talk about when he started NC Fit gyms all over the country and in the United States, as well as NC Fit corporate, as well as his latest business venture, which is gym licensing on a digital platform. We talk about the current state of uh, health and how it's impacted his business and how they've been able to look at it from a, as an opportunity and, and what they've done to mitigate the losses that it's caused for his business and talk about CrossFit, what's happening there. He, he gives us the tea, the complete tea <laughs> on what's happening with CrossFit. Why, happening. Yeah, yeah. Why are people, um, what do you call it? Outraged (laughs) and de-affiliating from CrossFit and what he thinks will be the, the. Yeah. And for anyone who missed that, the head of CrossFit, uh, the owner, Greg Glassman made some inappropriate comments, read the George Floyd situation. And then a whole other bunch of stuff came out about inappropriate conduct, uh, just in the way that the organization has been run. So we dive into that a bit. Yeah. Just Google New York times CrossFit. And you see what, what we're talking about. So this uh, is a this is a really great conversation. I really love that we talk a little bit about everything. It was a little bit rushed because Jason had to go and we were late because we're in Miami and we run in South American time. Right, Caesar? No, we run on a whole different time. We run on Steffi Cohen time, which is about an hour behind South American time. They hate us because they ain't us. That's what I always say. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Go Strong Equipment. Unfortunately, we're so good at marketing on this podcast that Go Strong is completely backed up on orders. They're not taking any orders right now for new equipment, but you are in luck. They still have awesome apparel. Unfortunately, I'm not wearing any right now because Tim Caesar. needs to send me more. Oh, Caesar's wearing some. That's a great shirt. You know what I Show always the say? podcast people. You know what I always say? What do you always say? If you snooze, you lose. I keep telling them, hey, go to Go Strong, order your stuff, right? And then they don't go to Hybrid Apparel, order your stuff. And then what happens? Stuff is gone. And then I get whiny emails and direct messages from people being like, <laughs> what the heck? I wanted some stuff. And I'm like, sorry, you. you snooze, you lose. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. Sucks to suck. Early break a storm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you want to grab some uh, apparel, head but over to the But also the earliest there. worm gets eaten. That's true. Well, let's not be worms. Yeah. <laughs> um, head over to GoStrongEquipment.com, snag some apparel, check out their Instagram. Uh, these guys are the best in the business. And when they finally are accepting orders again, don't wait because we're going to keep crushing marketing. They're going to keep getting orders and you're going to be put on a wait list. Exactly. And if you don't want that, get in there as soon as you can. Exactly. One more thing to add. Uh, we've been doing this. We started this a few podcasts ago. Uh If you're listening to the podcast on your phone or whatever, take a screenshot, tag us, tag Hybrid Unlimited. Uh, We're going to be choosing one person uh, per month to win a hybrid apparel prize pack. So if you want some free swag, you know what to do. Now you can sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Jason, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down to talk to us and uh, to our listeners over at Hybrid Unlimited. We appreciate your time. Um, for those who don't know you, can you give them a brief intro of who the hell Jason Kalipa is? Uh, 
Yeah. This is the most difficult question. People people get so nervous when I ask it. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm probably most well known uh, in the CrossFit space for my accomplishments at the CrossFit Games. Um, I won the CrossFit Games, competed there for a long time, opened up a business called NC Fit. We expanded globally with corporate wellness, um, digital, and brick and mortar locations. Um, I have two children. Uh, married uh, my high school sweetheart and uh, wrote a book called As Many Reps as Possible and uh, doing doing the best we can. So that's that's about it, you know. CrossFit Games background, uh, big jiu-jitsu fan, uh, founder of NC Fit and uh, husband and dad. That's awesome. That was perfect. You passed. <laughs> you practiced that. A <laughs> hundred points. Um, so how long ago did you retire from CrossFit? Um, I stopped competing in 2000. My last year competing was 2015. Uh, my daughter got diagnosed with leukemia in 2016, and uh, that was an easy segue uh, out of the sport. I mean, my wife and I had been discussing it for a few years prior. Just because the business was growing, we were opening internationally. There was a lot going on. My family was growing. I had a son, um, and uh, it was a proud moment for me to stand on a podium with my son and my daughter in 2014. And then 2015, I switched to teams so I could focus a little bit more on my family and the business. And then when my daughter got diagnosed in January of 2016, it was um, you know, the easiest decision of my life to uh, no longer compete. Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. What, um, so let's talk about the inception of NC Fit. How did it start? Um, and what was the concept initially? And, and then we'll talk about how it's evolved over the years because I'm super interested in continuing learning about your business. Yes. I mean, it all got started... Um, in, in, so in 2006, I was working at a traditional gym. So I worked the front desk. Um, I graduated from high school in 2004, right? Yeah. And then I, and then I went to a junior college, um, because I just didn't take school serious enough. I, sh I should have. And when I was at the junior college, I started working the front desk and got into sales at this conventional gym. Well, I was introduced to CrossFit in 2006 and I fell in love with this idea of having a coach and a community and all those things that it built around And I knew that I wanted to own a gym at a really young age. So when I graduated from college in 2008, I uh, opened up what was called CrossFit Santa Clara at the time. Um, I ended up opening that, um, winning the CrossFit Games, and then kind of grew it from there. So it started off as CrossFit Santa Clara, single location, pretty small, uh, 1,500 square feet. Uh, you know, and, and just ate, you know, slept there, did whatever I could to make it successful. Over the years, we opened up more locations. We then shifted that name to NorCal CrossFit to be more indicative of multiple locations we had offered in the area. Then we expanded to corporate wellness, open locations in Asia and Mexico and throughout the rest of the world. And to be more indicative of where we wanted to go and control our own brand, we rebranded to NC Fit in 2016. Um, let's talk about the corporate wellness programs. Can you elaborate a little bit more on exactly what that is? How did that start? Yeah, so we, what's that? How did your corporate wellness program start? Right, how'd you get into that business? So, so in, yeah, 2009, 10, 11, we had multiple locations, brick and mortar, and we got connected to a few companies nearby from members of our gym who worked nearby. The first one we ever did was called CH Rentals, and I'll never forget it because I went there and I pitched the HR. I said, hey, look, I will do free classes for 30 days to prove our value 5 a.m. twice a week. And so I would drive my truck over, bring dumbbells, And the idea was I wanted to build this premise of that community was fostering our gym, but how do I bring community to a corporate wellness location and, and bring the, the employees closer together? And they had 50 employees, which was not a lot at the time. 
and we got you know maybe 70, 80% of them to participate, which was really powerful. We had that agreement for a very long time that we then started charging them. It was always about proving value and then kind of asking for money later. Um, from that point on, it, it progressed. We went from one company to two company to three, and we started getting bigger logos like MetLife Insurance, GoPro. And then I met a gentleman um, from Western Digital, and that's when things really took off because he wanted to have club and clubs. So he wanted to have us run full fitness centers for him globally. And so we started off with one location here in the Bay Area, proved the model, and then grew to Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, China, Malaysia, Japan. And we would open up these locations inside their company we would staff it, we would manage it, we would do everything. But it was it was a really powerful experience because that was like in 2012, I was competing at the CrossFit Games, trying to open locations globally, and I would be traveling to Asia. And it was a it was a really cool time in our lives because I learned how to, you know, kind of that's where our business really started to grow, was with corporate. The the first location that you were talking about that you mentioned that you opened, was that you going physically to the gyms and, and running the classes and all of that? Santa Clara CrossFit, you mean? Yeah. Huh? In the beginning, it was. Yeah, twice a week, I would go there. And then over time, we built it up, and we had a coach that would go there. But, you know, it was super cool. Like, I mean, there's a video probably online. I got to go look for it. But it was just like we would we would move tables, and we would do it inside, or sometimes we'd go outside. And it just became really powerful. And then over time, the company started seeing, um, you know, value out of it. So they would go ahead and invest in a rower or whatever. It was it was, it was was a really cool way to start and start seeing the potential. Um Knowing what I know now, when we look for corporate accounts, one of the big things I always ask myself is like, is our house clean? And we've had to do a lot of work on our own house here in our brick and mortar, which I'm at one of them. If I could do it all over again, I would have, um, I would have advised myself to, before we start focusing on other stuff, to focus on within and do a better job with our current site before we try and optimize other sites. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, experiences kind of help you get to where you're at. So I don't have any. And with the, with the current model that you have in uh, your rem your remote locations, you're basically supplying the entire gym experience. You know the people. You're telling them what equipment to get. You're training the the staff. The only thing that you're not doing is is owning the building. Is that correct? That's correct. We don't lease the building. Um, we have a statement of work with the with the corporate. You know, uh, we have a partnership, and then we, you know, yeah, we we identify coaches. We provide the training. We you know totally equipment. We, we do all that stuff. It's just unlike our current location where we sign leads or own the building. Uh, we don't have that. Basically. That's cool. That's a pretty unique model. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, does that, did that exist before you guys, or is that a concept that you guys created? Yeah. There's a ton of companies that have been doing yeah. launch for a long time. Um, like plus one is a company. Uh, there's a variety of vendors, but they mainly focus on the, the conventional side for us. Right. We really came in and went more functional style training um, and group classes um, but like, for example, one of our partners right now is, um, uh, Lucas films, um, like, you know, like yeah, Star Wars. Wars and all that stuff. They have a building up in San Francisco called, um, in the Presidio it's called LDAC and we run the full fitness center there. So we do from the yoga to the conventional gym to the, you know, classes. And that's been a really cool experience to understand that managerial side. Uh, but again, looking back on it, you know, for anybody who's in that business, before you start standing out, you really got to ask yourself, do you have a staff to support it? And do you, is your house clean? Um, is something that we reflect on regularly. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. Uh, I'm, I think that a lot of people get caught on that, you know. Growth, growth, growth. Yeah, focusing too much on when the next move is and they fail to really tighten the ship and the things that they currently have. 
that's the conversation we were having with Alex the other day, yeah. wanting to get involved in new projects. But, but yeah. for us, it's like, there's still like loose screws that we need to tighten. Yeah. That's uh, something we deal with internally. The quality of your product reflects the quality of your organization and that you're really selling your organization when you sell your product. But so what I like about your story is that you were pitched and you didn't pitch your initial customer. Um, Right. Or you were essentially you, you were you were given that opportunity or presented with the opportunity based on the service you provided. Um, is that still the case or do you now actually like go out and pitch accounts for that business? I know we're getting a little insight in the weeds on that. Well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a big believer in earning every member every day, every yeah. business every day, every handshake, every interaction. We have to earn it every day. So, like, I'm a big believer that just because someone's paying you a monthly fee that you don't renew them every month, you renew them every interaction. Mm -hmm. And that could be from the moment they walk into the front desk to the moment they're taking a class or whatever it may be. So for me, when we're rolling out this new license partnership, it's every interaction with those new license partners. It's every engagement. Um, and it starts with me and it's the rest of the team. And um, we, we always wanna have that mentality that we're not entitled, right? No one owes us anything. And we have to earn their business every day. And I think that if we keep that true as a cultural thing here at NC Fit, we will be successful because I think that's a good way to live. Like, no one owes me anything. I have, we have to earn it every day. Mm -hmm. I, like yeah, I love that mindset. Um, when did you guys separate from CrossFit? So that's a good question. So in 2000, so in 2016, um, we rebranded from NorCal Cross to NC Fit for a variety of reasons. Two of them being, you know, we want to be in control of our own brand. We didn't want to be attached to something that we didn't have control over. And two is we had a variety of offerings at our gym, not just CrossFit. And so it wasn't the right, um, it wasn't indicative of our overall offering. So those were the two reasons. So we did that in 2016. Then in 2020, this year, like a couple weeks ago, due to recent activities with CrossFit, we decided to unaffiliate. So what that means is, um, are open to the public locations, we still paid affiliation fees. Mm -hmm. That's like anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars, depending on when you signed up. We still paid that for a variety of reasons, but primarily to like tip of the hat to like, you know, as like a token of like this methodology helped us build this. Um, but we stopped that, um, or we are stopping that as of, as of recently. So the brand won't change, but we'll no longer be paying CrossFit. But was that so? This this license uh, model would that would that violate the terms of the affiliate agreement? I'm not familiar with the specifics of the affiliate agreement. Is that also part of the reason why you didn't renew? Well, yes and no. So no, because you're licensing the mark. Yeah. It just depends on how you use the mark. So okay. if you use the mark to then go out there and promote your own mark, that's where it becomes an issue and. Um, yeah, because we haven't used the CrossFit mark for a very long time. Mm. And so it was easier for us to pivot out from affiliation. Mm. Those gyms out there, the thousands of gyms that are saying they're going to de-affiliate, you need to be really careful because they were paying an affiliation fee to use the mark. And they need to go on their website and scrub everything. Yeah. So if you're using the mark, you, you have to pay for it. And if you're not paying for it, then they can come after you. Yeah. yeah back in 2016, when you guys uh, de-affiliated, that was in 2016, right? You said no, no. They just did that now, no, but they, so they stopped using. They stopped using the CrossFit name. They changed yeah. names to NC Fit. Yeah, branding. Yeah, they changed right. it branding. So at that time, did did you get any sort of like backlash from the CrossFit community? And and yeah. And how did you know it was like the right? How did you know that it was the right uh, 
step for your business? I mean, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of backlash, you know, hey, this thing built you, you're turning your back on the community, all kinds of stuff, right? And now they're looking at it like, oh, like the people at the season and stuff, they, they, they recognize why we did what we did. We just did it earlier than everybody mm-hmm. because we had a unique vantage point that other people didn't have. And for me, I've dedicated my life to fitness. I've dedicated my life to NC Fit. I've dedicated my life to this crap. And it was very important for me to be in control of our own destiny and align with our core values and where we're going. And anything that's outside of that, that's attached to our name, it becomes a liability. And that, and that just wasn't something we were prepared to, 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 to have along with our brand. And so, yeah, we got a lot of flack for it. And um, looking back on it, we could have done a better job when we rebranded. One of the things that I learned the hard way was we, we kept saying what we weren't. Oh, you know, we kept saying, hey, we're just changing the name. We're just changing the name. It's all good. We're working out CrossFit. Now we're NC Fit. All good. But what we never did was clearly explain who NC Fit is, what our mission is, what's our vision, where our core values, where are we going for? We're about innovation. We're about living better together. We're about X, Y, and Z. And it took us about a year after we rebranded from NorCal Cross to NC Fit. There was some dissension, right? Because you need to have members to come in and be like, dude, why, why did we rebrand? And a staff member, instead of saying, oh, because we want to be, they would say, you know, I don't really know. I, I don't know. And all of a sudden, it started building some dissension. And so if I could do it all over again, I would have clearly sat down the team and explained the why, let it marinate, then explain it again. Then I would have clearly communicated to the members over time. But it took us about a year to realize that. And we went back to the team and, and, and finished up what we should have done a year earlier. Having that uh, unique vantage point that most people didn't have, did you see or foresee sort of any of the issues that have been? you know, kind of come to light now being a problem back then. Was that part of your decision-making process at all? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. You- I mean, there, there are some particulars that, um, you know, I wasn't privy to do some stuff, but um, I, there was some additional actions more publicly that, um, you know, we just didn't align with yeah. and, and that's okay. Right. It's okay. They're a privately held company. They can go do whatever the hell they want. And that's fine. And we support that, but we have to be in control of where we want to go. And we have specific things that weren't, you know, we're, we're very neutral on many, you know, kind of hot topics. And, um, just as a business, it's just the way we feel we need to be and, and they might differ. And so we saw some of that earlier on and it just wasn't something we, we, we could, we could do. So what, what's happening with CrossFit today? I think what you're seeing is, um, you're seeing, it's really interesting because, you know, Greg Glassman, um, what initially started off was his comments uh, about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And that's originally sparked this, this controversy about him. And it's really unique because I actually didn't think it would be those type of comments that would spark this. I thought yeah. it was going to be other things, um, like the Andy Stump podcast or some of the way that he spoke to different people or, or partners. I didn't foresee the George Floyd um, comments sparking what it did, um, but it did. And with that came a big snowball effect of a variety of different things. And I think what you see, and a lot of people don't get this, a lot of people see this mass exodus from CrossFit and they're looking at it like, wait, hang on, the CEO just said something really, you know, uh, just unfortunate. Why are you guys all leaving? Like, they don't get it, right? They didn't get it. And the reason why a lot of people don't get it is because they haven't seen the backstory and that's okay, right? 
this was just a straw that broke the camel's back for many people and they, they were ready to move forward and, and move on. That's sort of the way that I saw it too. Just, it kind of felt to me not to like say that these situations are comparable in any way, but just like back when OJ got off with that whole thing and then he got busted years later for stealing his own memorabilia, they like really threw the book at him and it was like, you got away with so much for so long. It's like, as soon as they, they had the opportunity to like, you know, put their foot down and, and sort of, you know, deal with it. They did. And I feel like that was the same situation here. It was just like, let's all jump on this, this, this topic and, and we'll use it to accomplish this that we all want. I think there was a different context between gym owners in the community and the business world and like the private equity world. Cause there were like business podcasts saying, Oh yeah, you know, Glassman and this CrossFit thing, like this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. They, there was an open secret because of their deal because of their dealing with, you know, uh, private equity partners, but the gym world, right? The the sphere of affiliate owners who didn't see any of that. This was a, this was a shock, and also that was kind of this kind of like this out of left field thing. And it's really tough, yeah. right? And I, I recognize that because CrossFit, as much as it's a methodology, it's changed so many people's yeah. lives. It's changed so many lives, right. and they like it's like um, for lack of a better term, it's like if you went to a church and this church changed your life and it impacted you in ways you never thought possible. But then you find out that maybe the church wasn't what you thought it was. And maybe you didn't align in certain areas. And now you're very conflicted because this thing that changed your life and showed you such a beautiful way also has this other side. I think some people are having to um, come to terms with that. It's very tough. It's very tough because I can't think of anything else in my life that has impacted so many people in a positive way that at the same time is owned by a singular person and their actions could be so detrimental, right? It's like, it's like if you were a diehard Apple fan and then you found out things about Steve Jobs. It's just, there's, the, the Apple hasn't changed your life. Like CrossFit has literally saved people's lives and now they don't know, they're very conflicted on it. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's where my head, where my head is at. Um, and again, like take this with a grain of salt, but I do think that an entire organization and an entire, you know, people whose lives and jobs dependent on CrossFit and athletes who dependent on going to the games to to make money from sponsors, etc. Do you think all of those people should be punished because of the acts of one person or the actions of one person? That's what I struggle so, with. So here's the thing. It's 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 very deep rooted. Like it's very, very deep rooted. It's been a cultural thing for a very long time. And there's been many athletes and many owners that have really been treated um, really not the way that they would yeah. want to be treated. And what you're seeing is that being spoken up. Like for anybody listening, they need to be really, um, the, the best advice I would give them is that what you've seen is just the tip of the iceberg. And there is a lot more rooted of deep, 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 things that have led to these decisions from the athletes, the owners, et cetera. Now that being said, right. I think that if an athlete wants to go compete at the CrossFit games, they have my full support. Mm -hmm. They've trained, they've trained hard. They've dedicated their life to this and to get the rug pulled out from under them. I just don't think it's fair either. Um, and they're a professional athlete and they need to make that decision. Now, if you're a business owner, you need to make the decision if being attached to CrossFit is a benefit or a negative. But if you're an athlete and you've dedicated yourself to this sport, and this is an opportunity to go out there and make money, provide for your family, whatever, you know, that's a decision you have to make. And I'm in full support of whatever way that goes, because I understand these guys have been training 
so hard to get to this point. And there's a lot of things on the line. And we, we as outsiders, we, we can't understand that as much. And so I, I don't think we should judge anybody um, because there's some athletes that have had nothing but positive interactions with HQ. Nothing. They have nothing but amazing things to say. And there's others that have seen some other side. And we need to be, you know, okay with that. But, yeah. but that's not what we're seeing. Like, I most, well, I guess I, not most of the guys I follow. Most of the people I follow that I'm friends with in the CrossFit world are not are saying that they're not going to the game. So what well, are they going to do? Uh, I think I think there's a lot. There's a really unfair amount of pressure placed on those athletes to make a decision like that. Yeah. And for some reason, it's so much more when it comes to strength sports. Maybe just because the community is so tightly knit. But I mean, if you if, you know if the commissioner of the NFL did some outlandish thing. You wouldn't expect all the NFL players to be like, oh, well, okay, I guess I'm going to work at McDonald's now. It's like, no, yeah, but you dedicated also, your whole life. There's also a system that would remove that person. That, that person, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you if, if your end goal is that person being removed, then didn't yeah. he, he resigned, right? Greg Glassman. No, but he retains full ownership of the company. Right. Uh, I see. Maybe like the equivalent if you play for a, a football team and the owner is doing things you just completely can't align with and you need to leave teams. Yeah, um, that happens. And, and because the owner owns the company and if you just sure. can't align then you can't align um, but I, I do think we need to be cautious on how we judge these athletes because there's so many factors involved and I'm just kind of sitting back supporting my friends however they see fit right yeah. um, and I, I, I don't claim to put the way I feel on them because I've had different I've had different interactions than they have and they need to do what's best for, for them and their future and, and I think though you're right um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that present themselves loud and live Wadapalooza. There's a variety of events that are going to be incredible. And this is just one. And I think things are going to forever change in the 2021 season. I think we're going to see that. But for the 2020 season, um, you know, we need to see what athletes end up doing. So you, th you think we're going to see uh, a decentralized version of CrossFit in the future? Yeah. Yes, I do. I think so. I mean, we're an example of that, right? We, we came up in the CrossFit model. I mean, I'm not going to deny it, right? And we lived, breathed, slept it, taught seminars. I mean, I was as deep in the game as you can get. But over time, right, we want to do our own thing. We want to pursue our own path. And and, and that's okay. And we're going to go out there. We're going to do us. And if people want to come with us, great. If they want to stick with CrossFit, awesome. If they want to go with hybrid, whatever. It's fine, right? And and I think this idea of like hating on other people and being – it's just like, dude, all we're trying to do is raise the bar in competition and um, – Competition, communities, kind of fostering ideas and concepts is only going to be good for everybody. Yeah, I think it's I think it's healthy for the sport in general not to have that sort of Wizard of Oz character behind the curtain making all the decisions, choosing who gets what competition and what all the events are going to be. You know, I, I think a decentralized version of CrossFit could actually be really, really good for the sport long term. Yeah, be good for the athletes, get them paid and get them treated right and. and um, there's, there's a lot of good that can come out of this through this this challenging time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's good for um, from a business perspective, right? With people like you coming in and providing a a different model because there was always a specific kind of model, and we were told that it was the right model and it was the model that would yield the most growth and provide kind of the most opportunity for the best business to succeed. But it was up to everyone to figure out what that meant, and a lot of people didn't didn't figure out what that meant. And they were kind of left holding a bag. Um, I want to pivot to kind of the evolving fitness landscape because I want to talk about digital. Um, I think 
one thing that this this year is showing is that there's a reward for having at least a digital component to your business. Um, and I know that you're doing that. And I want to yeah. get your your thoughts on on producing whatever your your app and and how that fits in your in your business model as it's evolving from the brick and mortar locations to the license model. Like, what was that development yeah. process like? Because we're in the process of app development as well. So about five years ago, we started saying, man, how do we have the same quality of coaching in Shenzhen, China, as we do in San Jose, California? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? We're like, well, let's use Google Docs, right? It's like maybe six, seven years ago. See, so Google Docs galore. Session plan. This is how you intro things. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. And that was it, right? So it was a Google Doc. Then we're like, dude, we really need videos because when it comes to fitness, it's really difficult to explain whatever, right? And videos will really help with the how to engage, how to do this, how to do that. So then we started putting out videos. We're like, well, okay, this is getting very cumbersome. So we created our own app to basically streamline the programs and the offerings that we have globally. So as owners want to scale from one location, two to five to 10, what they need to think about is how do you keep that almost like Starbucks? Right. You can order a latte in Miami, it's going to be the same latte as in California. You might have a better or worse barista, and we want the better, obviously. But they can only mess it up so much. Like, you know what I mean? It's within a certain barrier. And so we created our own app a couple of years ago mm. with every day our coaches receive a variety of tools, including, um, I'll pull it up right here. Um, I'll show it to you guys. And so they get to see all the different tools to allow them to you know, perform their workout. So on the screen, it has the workout highlights, intro, stimulus, um, timeline, warm-up, teaching, scaling. And then every day uh, a video pops up. One of them is for the coaches on how to coach. And one of them is for the athletes on how to prepare for class. And so then we've had this forever, right? Brick and mortar, our coaches mm -hmm. get it. We have a lot of gym music. But when COVID hit, we recognized we had we had an error in our, not not error, but an area for opportunity. And so what we did is we created a new program called NC Go, mm -hmm. which just dumbbells for on the go and it has live follow-along workouts, or not live, follow-along, kind of like Peloton, but with dumbbells. Yeah. And so now on our app, you have three different programs. You have our NC Metcon, NCX, those are for in the gym, mm -hmm. with coaching tools and all kinds of stuff. Then you have NC Go, which is designed for people to be outside the gym, and they could follow along and they could stream this to their TV or whatever it is. So that's how we pivoted through COVID. And now we sell this to end users. We also sell it to gyms um, to provide this blend between brick and mortar and digital for them. That's the theory. Yeah, I like that ecosystem. Very easy to explain. You did it in like five minutes. And also the reference to Starbucks. I think people don't recognize how, how um, resistant Starbucks is to this economic crisis, given how much real estate they own they're an app company and they're actually the seventh largest or something bank in america you don't they have over a billion dollars sitting on gift cards yeah, unused they, gift cards right yeah, now yeah they they they're a bank and they're a they're an app company that lives in microsoft cloud and that's gender that's the reason why they hold most of their value in, in in their equity right now and their stock price is actually up um so the 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 more digital native you can be the the more flexible your product is and the better you are positioned against competitors who don't have the same digital capability. Um, and I think that's, that's just fine that you mentioned that as, as an example. This is, we're like Starbucks, but. I think the future of brick and mortar <laughs> yeah. is gonna be the hybrid, I really yeah. do. Because for us, mm -hmm. I think all owners are gonna think to themselves, hang on, if this happens again, if they can shut me down once, and they shut me down again, 
And if that happens, what am I going to do to support my own yeah. my members? And for a lot of brick and mortars, some of these members still supported you while you were shut down. But that's not going to happen potentially again. For us, we put all of our members on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we opted them into a digital-only service, which was significant. That's cheaper. a good idea. But for some owners that still charge them full freight, would the members do it again if they shut down again? Right. I mean, I don't know. You're getting a different type of service. So you have to have a digital model to help support um, in gym and out of gym. Yeah, and, in my and Equinox is doing that, and and they're getting private equity from Silver Lake to to bring in the the tech to do it, right? So the big players are doing it. Yeah, you know, big players are doing it, and so you know, I think that the COVID has shown um, an area of opportunity, right? You take a Soul Cycle, mm-hmm. um, they were crushing it, which is Equinox, yeah, classes. So now, how are they going to be able to be profitable with only fifty percent capacity? I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Well, but that yeah, you know, that's why Silver Lake is coming into Equinox Holdings and trying to rescue yeah. some of Equinox's harder. Yeah, right. Was NC NC Fit Go the first program that you actually sold to consumers directly? Uh, uh, the first one we really like have gotten behind because we had NCX and NC Metcon, which are in gym. One is more complex, one's less complex. We had that available for a while, but NC Go is when we're really trying to, you know, yes, yes, NC Go was designed for outside the gym. NCX and NC Metcon are designed for in the gym. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for us to pitch it because it was more like a class-based focus, and so it was more owners. Um, and so basically our app is really designed for owners. We have quite a few that use our programs, and those are prerequisite basically to become an NC Fit partner. So what we did is we rolled out a license model. We're taking applications starting in a week. And what's the prerequisite for that is that you've tried the NC Fit Collective, which is our session plans, our programming for at least a month. And we get, you know, because it's important that if someone wants to come on as a partner, we all need to be seeing from the same sheet of music. And if you don't like our music, that's cool, man. All good. But you're probably not, you probably shouldn't be an NC Fit partner. And so before they become a partner and use our brand and our likeness, Enjoy our network. We want to make sure they like the food that we're, uh, you know, delivering. Okay. For the for the locations that you own, the five locations that you have, the brick and mortar, uh, do you own the building or do you rent out? So unfortunately, I mean, like I said, if, if I can go back in time, I would have tried to buy some more buildings. There's pros and cons. If I bought some more early locations, I think I went a little bit too big too soon. And we found that, you know, these big 20,000 square foot spots, we probably should have consolidated down to like five, 6,000. We don't own any of them. Um, we will be owning in the future as we expand and grow open. Um, but we're also in the Bay Area. I mean, our rents are out of control. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it, it's, it's also difficult to buy buildings because they're multi millions of dollars. And we're self-funded. Uh, that was my next we're question. We're a self-funded company. That was my next question. So, would, would you take VC money if, if, it, if it was on the table? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Because we've been approached by VCs and private equity groups and yeah. different people. And the reality is that I like what we're doing right now. Yeah. I like growing at the speed that we're growing and making decisions based on what we believe is in the best interest for our business and for the future. And if that means we're going to slow our growth, that's fine. Like, I'd rather grow nice and smooth and consistent and have top quality than have VCs come in and put tens of millions of dollars and say, hey, we want to return in a year. Mm. And then all of a sudden we just get sloppy. I don't want to be sloppy. I want to do it right. Yeah. How has, uh, and this is a question that I always ask, how has your role evolved throughout the years? What do you, what, what are you in charge of nowadays when you have a bigger team, bigger staff? Yes. Yeah, so when we first started, obviously I was a coach, the 
finance, but this, but that, and, and that, you know, is very difficult. Uh, over time, then you hired a coach so you could optimize your time to try and get more people in the door. Then as you get more people in the door and you have a coach, then you might outsource things like finance because I would be spending all night trying to figure out QuickBooks when another guy paid in 10 minutes. Um, then as you grow and expand, you start, you know, identifying, you know, the branding experts and this and that. And so now most of my time is spent asking myself, how do I drive the biggest value for our business? And doing things like this, having great conversations, is it's being out there, being the, the the microphone for our business. It's networking, creating relationships, we're going to create sustainability for our business. That's what I spend most of the time on is strategic conversations on partnerships and things to, that are big, big picture. And then we have a president and a variety of other people that actually go out there and, and execute on those things. I always feel guilty about stepping outside of. Uh you know, certain roles that I used to have at the beginning stages of our, of our, the, when we started hybrid, you know, because I feel bad just allocating everything to someone else and watching everyone work. And then what do I do? But you're yeah. totally right. I mean, that question, how do I drive most value to the business? Yeah. It's all about finding yeah. the highest and best use of your time exactly. and then go putting That's all your it. energy towards that. Yeah. I mean, something I ask myself all the time is like, what am I uniquely good at? What can I provide to this business? If let's just say it was just a third party unbiased business, I didn't own it, nothing, whatever. Like, what am I uniquely good at to add value to this business to move it forward? And whatever that is, I should be spending most of my time there. And if anything is taking me away from that focus, then I should try and over time, it's not gonna happen overnight, but delegate those things out. I mean, I would spend, I mean, literally, I mean, twice a month, I would manually put in credit cards for the first like 300 members we signed up because I didn't know how to use the automatic debit. And this is back in the day, like, yeah. you know, it wasn't as common as it is now. But I mean, when we hired a CFO, it freed me up. He he paid for his salary within two months because it freed me up to go build the business bigger. And I just wish that I had delegated more often earlier and, you know, kind of get what you pay for type thing was a big learning lesson for me. Yeah, that's something, the way I think about it is as a founder or an early employee at a company, almost everything you do, there is someone out there who's better at that thing than you are. And it would be really helpful to find that person and give them that thing to do and then find yes. right, and then find the thing that you could do better than anyone in your company. And that might be nothing. And that just might be being the face of your company and someone else right. does basically everything else in the company. But now your company's it's better really for it. It's hard to do. Yeah. You know, when you open up the doors, it's all you yeah. all the time. You're, you're doing this, you're doing that. And then over time, right, you just recognize you can't do everything great. Yeah. You, can, you need to find competent, great people so you can go out there and go do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, these little lessons in business. You know, it's so funny. I was reflecting on this with my dad yesterday. I was like, man, I wish I knew what I know now 10 years ago when we, or 12 years ago when we started. But it was through these examples and through this experience that we were able to get to this point because otherwise people tell you this kind of stuff all the time. But until you actually experience it, oh, okay. Like, I should have done that differently. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. You sort of have to live it yourself for it to, to have a real lasting impact on you. Yeah. It's got to hurt a little yeah. bit, right? Pain yeah. plus reflection is progress. It's a Ray Dalio thing. Yeah. I, yeah. 
Jason, I want to be mindful of your time. Yeah. I know you have somewhere to be in like four minutes. But before I let you go, I do want to ask you sure. one more question. Um, you know, well, I... business, by the way, any day of the week. I didn't know we were going to go down this path. <laughs> it's okay. We'll yeah. do part two. We'll do part two. Talking business we'll is great. Um, you know, I look up to you and admire you so much for, for many different reasons. I mean, you're uh, at the top of your... You were at the top of your game as an athlete. You were an exceptional father to your daughter. Showed up when she most needed you started a foundation for her um an amazing husband an excellent business owner like you've built this incredible incredible business that i so much admire as well um and i always wonder like in the mind of such a high achieving person and such a high performing person what are what do you what do you tell yourself like in the morning when you first wake up and, and like how does your your day how do you go about your day I mean, that's a good question. I mean, for me, it's probably similar to you guys. You know, it's like, for me, um, and this is something like I tell my son like all the time. It's like, you can be anything you want, just don't be lazy, right? And you can be anything you want, just go out there and reach your potential. Whatever your potential is, that's up to you. But, you know, today I took him, like I was telling you earlier, I took him to a boxing class. And it's like, hey, man, I want you to go have a great time. And after you're done, we'll talk about it. And then we, we spoke about it. And one of the things that I do when I wake up every morning is like, hey, today I want to go reach my potential. And whatever the hell I'm doing. Whether it's talking to you or or going to do a deal, I just want to try and do the best I can in that moment at that time. And so I don't have any regrets later on. That could be on a micro scale through this conversation or it could be a macro scale. Like how am I doing as a husband, a father, as a business owner? Am I reaching my potential? And if I consistently asking myself these questions, my hope is that I don't wake up one day and like I have these huge epiphanies and we could have done better as a business. Yeah. Um, so that's something I think about all the time is reaching my potential and whatever that means for me. And having good, honest conversations with my wife about what kind of sacrifices that's all it's going to take for us and the family. You know, as we grow our business, you know, it's important that her and I have had tough conversations about that kind of stuff because it's not all rainbows and unicorns. You can't have everything all the time. I can't be spending, you know, every day all day with my kids while also trying to build something. There has to be sacrifices and give and takes. And having that good conversation with your spouse has been really powerful for me over the years. And I think it really stemmed when Ava got sick. We learned how to have really like like pretty tough conversations not like arguments but just like yeah. really hard conversations and that's carried over really well in the business wow do you have a favorite book a book that inspired you that motivated you that changed your perspective on life i mean i look i'm like a big mark cuban fan so i read um sport of business when i was like in college and it got me all fired up um i wrote a book about like kind of like the mentality that i think about which is called as many reps as possible um I read a lot of books like Chop Wood, Carry Water was a really interesting one, but I'd say Mark Cuban's Sport of Business. I got to go reread it, but it kind of got me thinking like, like business is a sport. You don't know who's coming at you. You don't know when they're coming at you and you got to always be on top of your game has been something I've really taken with me. You know, like when you go for a powerlifting meet, you know who you're going against, what's going on. But in business, there could be someone right now, somewhere in the world trying to take you down. And uh, I think that's that's a really interesting thing to keep you inspired and motivated to improve for the future. Love that. I'm going to read it. Any closing thoughts? No, is there a, where, where can people reach you? Uh, you know, I, I know that you're, uh, the foundation is super important to you. Uh, so I don't know if you want to plug that or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, so you can find me on Instagram, Jason Klepa in there. Um, there's a, Ava's Kitchen is a, is a charity event we do annually. We donate all the proceeds to a, a the Never Ever Give Up Foundation. Um, but yeah, basically, Jason Clip on Instagram, you can, you can find me at nc.fit as well. 
Um, there's a variety of ways you can Google and search around. I'm sure you'll find something. <laughs> yeah, hit me up and uh, more than happy to chat. And I can't wait to do another episode and dive deep into your guys' you know, kind of go back and forth about business. Because, uh, <laughs> when we have more time, we should do it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah, thanks for doing Thank that, Jason. Thank you for your time. All right, guys. Have a great day. Uh, nice to see you all. And uh, enjoy Miami. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Talk soon.